You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, the intrigue in the Bucks' 15th spot has been, I guess it's probably, maybe it still exists. I'm not really 100% sure how to uh, talk about it, but the Bucks have filled their 15th spot. Uh, they were able to get DeAndre Liggins uh, and have him fill that role. Um, I think a little bit of a surprise. I think a, a number of Bucks fans, and I mean, even you and I, think I think might have been leaning towards the idea that Richard Jefferson was going to fill that spot. Uh, Liggins, 29 years old. He's been in the NBA with a couple different teams now. Uh, he's trying to hit all 30 um it looks like in the next year or so he's on pace to do so um but he's been around he was in the d league for a little while as well he's been in russia and germany um i don't know do you have any thoughts on on deandre liggins well first off the fact that we're talking about deandre liggins on the day that the bucks begin playing nba basketball is just really underscoring how obnoxiously drawn out the 15th uh, roster spot mm-hmm. battle was. Um, I think I counted it up. I think uh, nine guys had non-guaranteed contracts at some point this summer, and up until DeAndre Liggins, all nine have been waived. Um, well, Gary Payton. Just, just give it, just give it a couple days. Give it, give, give it, give maybe it a couple weeks. Exactly. Give it a couple weeks. Maybe DeAndre Liggins will meet the same fate. Um, Gary Payton the second did pick up, um, did sign a two-way contract today, which we had obviously speculated about for quite some time. I thought that would be the smart play for him. Um, obviously, I, I assume he's not hard up for cash with uh, his father being a former NBA player, and um, he can probably take a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say a gamble because I mean he's locking up 275k or so, and I think he'll have a chance to play at some point this year, unless you know Brogdon and Delvadova are, are just sitting, you know, healthy all year long. Yeah. Um, he is he is traveling with the team here at the beginning of the season because the D League uh, G League season hasn't started yet. But and those um, forty five days don't count until the D League right. season starts. Exactly. So, um, but anyway, forcing me to talk about DeAndre Liggins. Um, I think you probably said it best when someone asked you your opinion and you just tweeted out his basketball reference <laughs> page and just said, "This I have no opinion." Here you go. This is all I know about DeAndre Liggins. Um, I mean, I'll say this for starters. I mean, we talked about the character stuff um, when when the whole Derrick Rose thing was going on this summer. Yeah. You know, for me as a fan, um, I am I am much happier fan when my team doesn't sign people with you know histories of domestic violence. And that first off, I think we should say that DeAndre Liggins does have that. I think it was four years ago. Yep. Um, he was arrested for. Um, an incident with his then girlfriend, uh, the mother of his uh, then two-year-old child, uh, and it was—I uh, mean, people can Google it. I mean, it's again, it sounds like it was 
not a bad or sorry, not a good scene. Um, and she eventually, I think, declined to testify all this stuff that, you know, is just so common in these situations where people, yep. you know, just don't have, you know, just they're just no good options for people. And, and eventually, um, you know, basically uh, took fewer, you know, took lesser charges. Um, you know, David Aldridge wrote an interesting piece about him and how he has tried to really turn things around since then because he was, you know, immediately uh, let go by the, I think, the Oklahoma City Thunder at that point after he was charged. Um, so, again, we can get into one of these like, oh, has the guy paid his dues? You know, has he done everything he needs to? Certainly that's the storyline with him. Uh, who knows, right? We're just random yeah. dudes talking about our favorite basketball team. But personally, I, I just would steer clear of a guy like this just because I don't think what what is DeAndre Liggins going to do for this team that really matters in the grand scheme of things? Probably nothing. Um, so, again, I would just generally think stuff like this isn't worth sort of the I don't know. I don't want to be too self-righteous about it, but just sort of the moral, the moral, I don't want to say sacrifice, but just sort of that, that weirdness that comes with, with this kind of stuff. But yep. it is, it is what it is. Um, you know, he's known as a dogged defender. He can play the wing, uh, can hit a corner three from time to time. Um, is he going to do anything for the Milwaukee Bucks this year? I have no idea, but certainly when he was claimed off waivers, that, you know, was our first hint that Richard Jefferson probably was not interested in ultimately signing with the Bucks, despite, you know, the rumored interest, the, the Nuggets apparently were the more interesting option for, for RJ, who obviously I think pretty much everybody would have rather had than DeAndre Liggins. So, um, I don't know. It is what it is. Would I rather have had Gerald Green than, than DeAndre Liggins? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if for no other reason than, you know, just sort of the off-court stuff I just mentioned. But uh, we'll see. Uh, who knows? Um, a week from now, we'll probably be talking about some other dude having this roster spot. So, Do you think Gerald Green signs a non-guaranteed deal? Well, he had a non-guaranteed I mean, I don't know what – I don't know if he would have been non-guaranteed. So normally these things – basically stuff guarantees like, what, January 10th? Yep. Um, and so – you know, a lot of guys go into the season kind of at risk, basically, and they're, you know, if they if they get waived, then they'll only have earned sort of the prorated amount of their salary. Um, so, I mean, I think Gerald Green probably was very, you know, kind of had to accept the fact that, that was going to be his fate, that he'd just have to go into the season on a non-guaranteed deal and just start making money, you know, at, at one game at a time. Um, so I'm sure he would have happily done that because he signed that deal, and I can't imagine he would have asked out of it. Um but and I don't, and again, like Gerald Green, like I don't know what Gerald Green's going to do now. Is he going to go to China? Is he going to latch on with some other team? I'm not sure. There's, you know, cut, at cut down day, there's always a lot more guys. You know, the musical chairs game. Uh, there's always fewer fewer chairs than there are guys looking for them. So um, who knows what's going to happen to some of these guys who, uh, you know, m- you might think of as NBA players. And you know, again, DeAndre Liggins wouldn't necessarily be at the top of my list, but the Bucks must have seen something from him, and um, we'll see if he factors in at all with uh with the bucks wing rotation but um do certainly. you think richard jefferson would have signed a non-guaranteed deal um well see the thing is i don't know if it really ma- i mean once the season starts i mean if you're signing to be the 15th guy i don't really know how much guys even care that much i think richard jefferson at least could have had some kind of bargaining stance right because he was he was clearing waivers and he was signing with somebody gerald green already had a contract so yeah. it wasn't really a question for him but yeah i mean it's a good question like if the bucks were only going to offer him a non-guaranteed deal but i would imagine they would have offered him a guaranteed deal at this point given they'd kind of gone through the whole process with all these other guys and they were going into the season but um again uh, who knows if if that you know if there may have been some some aspect of that but i believe jefferson was just signing for the minimum in denver and i mean denver gave up a you know arguably a guy the Bucks could use more than anybody else in Jameer Nelson. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
who I don't know if he's, I don't think he's cleared waivers yet, but um, certainly some interesting names going on in waivers, including uh, Jimmy Nelson, Wade Baldwin, who I don't know what Wade Baldwin did in Memphis, but to be released a year after being a first round pick. Yeah. My, my God, that is a red flag. If, if I ever heard of one and uh, certainly Memphis also, I mean, their, their track record with draft picks of late has been just, I mean, Good God, like, uh, <laughs> this is the, the number of guys. I mean, Jordan Adams, they, they waved. Uh, now, Bell Baldwin, uh, their second-round pick from last year, they waved, and they're eating money to do so. Pretty crazy, just some of the stuff that's happening. But, um, yeah, so the Bucks have DeAndre Liggins, and okay, definitely guys I'd rather have. But, um, again, we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. So, ultimately, why I keep asking about non-guaranteed is because I didn't think it was insignificant that that was one of the first things that was tweeted out about DeAndre Liggins and that deal um, just because I feel like the Bucks are obviously incredibly close to the luxury tax and it seems like they've been desperately I shouldn't say de- everyone's aware that they are more than willing to make a move um, so I just wonder if going into the season with 15 guaranteed, de- guaranteed deals was something that they were fearful of in that okay, if you do need to make a two-for-one to, I don't know, unload some sort of contract and you have to take it on a second guy, like, is that something you can do? Is that something that will work for you? Um, and obviously you would know a little bit better, but I'm not 100% sure on that. No, that, that's actually a very good point. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think at this point in the season, it's kind of one of those things you, you expect at this point in the season, teams have a better sense of like, okay, you know, Especially with a guy like RJ, who obviously is, is much more of a known quantity, and, and especially with the relationships he had with with obviously Jason Kidd, and you know, uh, you, you would have thought like, okay, this is the guy that they would probably feel more comfortable locking in on, and and it's very possible they would have, right? But Jefferson might have just preferred Denver. Um, but that's a very good point. I mean, and I think that was why, in part, they were okay with making a claim on Liggins because they knew that. Um, you know, they still can take a mulligan on this because he's non-guaranteed. Although, you know, keep in mind, now that the season's starting, I mean, the, the, it, he is going to start getting paid, right? Yeah. So um, if they waive him tomorrow, um, he's not going to count for zero on their books. He'll count yeah. for, you know, one or two two days worth of uh, NBA action. So, yeah, it's a good point. I think certainly it does give you more flexibility, though, as you said. And, um, you know, nothing would really surprise me. Who knows, maybe in a week if they don't like what they see from Liggins or, you know, maybe they like what they see from Sterling Brown more. You know, they yeah. think Rashad Vaughn and Sterling Brown, whatever they think. Um, it's possible they just say, you know what? We don't need to be paying DeAndre Liggins to be sitting on the bench doing nothing. Let's just wave them. And I think, to be honest, I don't really have a problem with the team carrying 14 guys into um, the regular season, especially you know if you're still carrying. And I don't think you have. I don't think you have to. From everything I understand, I don't think you have to carry 15 NBA contracts in order to have the two-way deals available to you as well. So um, that's the other piece. Obviously, they have one two-way contract now. Um, we'll see if uh, if they add anybody else there, but you know certainly um, all that stuff can can certainly change quickly. As as the Bucks have shown us, they are not hesitant to uh, to to shuffle the deck chairs, as it were, uh, on on the end of the bench. But should we talk about uh, real basketball and and stuff that matters? Given that tonight was the first night of NBA basketball, we're one game into sure. the season as we record this. Sure. Um, I was just going to say the only reason I thought of all of that was just in my mind. I was trying to think of reasons why Richard Jefferson would not come to Milwaukee because I I really did think it was. I don't want to say a done deal, but it seemed to make a lot of sense to me, and I could see why the Bucks would be interested and Richard Jefferson would be interested. So, um, in my head, I was just trying to play through. 
um, possible reasons why it would be DeAndre Liggins on a non-guaranteed deal over uh, Richard Jefferson. So that was that was the best I could come up with. But yes, we can talk about real basketball. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks will take on the Boston Celtics tomorrow night. The Boston Celtics played tonight. We are recording this at 10.30 on Tuesday. We have not found out uh, the extent of Gordon Hayward's injury, but the biggest story from tonight is Gordon Hayward's injury. Um, I am I'm happy that I can say that at the time I was not looking at my TV screen. Um, I heard uh, I heard the call. I, I saw the reaction on players' faces afterwards. Um, so thank God I, I, I like to be out of shape and get a snack, and I was in the kitchen. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, not, it's not good. Um, every reaction from every player was just pretty much sick to their stomach. Everyone immediately was thinking the absolute worst, and – um, from everything I've heard about what the injury looked like on the internet, it it was bad. Uh, so we will see how long Gordon Hayward is out. You would have to assume it will be a significant portion of the season, if not the whole season. Um, but obviously, kind of useless to speculate, other than it was a very serious injury. And I guess looking at that injury and looking at that Celtics. Cavs game tonight it's hard to get any other feeling other than the Eastern Conference is incredibly wide open at the moment yeah I mean I was just sitting there watching that fourth quarter with you know Derek Rose Jeff Green Dwayne Wade you know all these guys that were uh, well Jeff Green wasn't good five years ago either but um, you know guys whose best days are behind them and perhaps most importantly I mean Rose and, and Wade, just the lack of lack of shooting that they provide, playing together, um, it, it just changes the way you play. I mean, the Cavs were such an awesome three point shooting team around LeBron James last year. Um, to you know, and I don't, I forget what the number was tonight, but they shot vastly fewer threes tonight than we're used to seeing. And I mean, they just don't. They're not playing. They're not starting guys who like to shoot threes. Twenty two threes tonight. Five of twenty two for the Cavs. That's yeah. that's Milwaukee Bucks numbers. Yeah. And, and it's remarkable. Right? And, and uh, I forgot who wrote it, but, you know, someone pointed out that the impact of this Wade signing is huge because you signed Dwayne Wade and he's apparently it sounds like Dwayne Wade basically signed on the understanding that he would start. And when you start Dwayne Wade and obviously you have to start Rose at this point, or at least you have very little depth at point guard with Isaiah Thomas hurt. So you are starting Derrick Rose. You start Derrick Rose, you start Dwayne Wade. Suddenly you have no, you know, consistent shooting in the backcourt around LeBron who you know really just needs shooters around him as we saw last year so what do you do well then you start Kevin Love at center I guess because you need more shooting and you need a bit you want to get Crowder out there with LeBron so uh, that means Tristan Thompson goes to the bench it means that ultimately Richard Jefferson gets waived uh, so sorry traded and waived I mean the 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 ramifications of this Dwayne Wade signing have been just you know a, a series of dominoes and I just, I mean, we saw Wade make a couple of huge blocks in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I think Wade can play off the ball very well. He's a great cutter, et cetera. He's still obviously a really talented guy, but especially in regular season play and, and just, man, like this team just feels like it's shot themselves in the foot by sort of catering to let's get some like names that LeBron likes or slash knows and put them around him. But 
um, man, the the Cavs. I'm just looking at this team like defensively, like you somehow downgraded from Kyrie at point guard with yeah. Isaiah Thomas and Derrick Rose. You got Dwayne Wade, who isn't even trying to get back on defense most of the time at shooting guard and doesn't shoot threes, really. Um, and then you've got Kevin Love at center. I mean, this is what going back to this idea of, you know, if you're the Bucks and you have Giannis attacking the rim all game long and you see the rest of the league going smaller and smaller. I mean, thank you. Yeah, I'm just like my mouth is watering. And we haven't even talked about the fact that the Cavs were not the team that suffered the like gruesome, horrible critical injury, which was obviously the Celtics losing Gordon Hayward. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you just see both of these teams and and not just obviously the Hayward injury is the big story just because losing him is such a huge blow and puts so much more pressure on Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum and eventually Marcus Morris when he comes back. But um, but man, like the Cavs, like just reminded us, holy crap, like they really like are I don't want to say a mess, but they're just no you can say a mess they're constructed so poorly around lebron i don't know it's just it's just like you know some i don't know it's like a fantasy team from five years ago or something like that it's i don't know we'll see i mean lebron will you know they're gonna win games just because of lebron but i mean i'm just looking at these teams i'm just saying like we could have like five or six teams win 47 games in the east and nobody crack 50 just looking at some the way some of these teams are constructed and obviously you look at the bucks and you kind of say damn i mean we're gonna see these two teams this week and um oh man if, if i don't if we don't see at least a split i'm gonna be really bummed because uh, yep. these are teams that look really ripe to to have it taken to them and and certainly with the bucks and the way they're evolving their their team while the while the Cavs are going backwards in terms of how they're surrounding lebron with weapons the bucks i think are moving in the right direction with the yep. way they're surrounding guys around Giannis. so anyway i'm excited um and i'm also deathly afraid because watching that hayward injury you also you suddenly become very cognizant of just you know in the Roger, aaron Rodgers injury last week and you suddenly become just so aware of man stuff can change with these guys so quickly and you know, again, Pope Giannis and bubble wrap anytime he's not in the game because it's just scary. But um, <laughs> I'm I'm excited, but I'm also like, you know, man, very wary. Yeah, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because last week we did a uh, Bucks outside the lines event for ESPN Milwaukee. And we had a number of Buck, Bucks guys, and, and I think a bunch of people saw the tweets from some of the quotes there. And John Horst told a story about how he didn't really understand what it was like to have the stress of a GM like he understood kind of like the moves that go into it and stuff like that and he told a story about how one of the first times in the summer when there was like an open gym or just like guys playing or something he saw Giannis go down and he was like he's like my heart stopped I I couldn't think like he he just went down and, and like rolled up on somebody's ankle or something and he ended up being fine he's like but He's like, I immediately called John Hammond and was like, oh, I I see what you're going through now. And yeah, that that's immediately what you think when you see when you see how easily it can happen. Like that that was just a play where you throw a lob and guys get kind of twisted up and all of a sudden Gordon Hayward's leg snaps. It, it can happen. And this isn't this isn't as gruesome of a sport as football, but it, it is simple for those type of things to happen. So yeah, it, it really shows just how quickly that can all change. But yeah, when you when you look at those two teams, I, I think you come away with probably more questions than answers at this point. Because I, I don't know if you've looked at the box score, but do you know how many minutes LeBron James played tonight? No, how many? Forty-one. 
opening and night. He had, Brown- and he hadn't played. He hadn't played a, a minute in preseason, right? Because he was nursing an Correct. ankle injury, and he gets dragged out, and it's the same old, same old with LeBron just getting and they needed buried on every yeah. minute, yeah, every single minute because of the construction of that roster. And yeah, it's just kind of strange to think about what this what this team is going to look like if Wade and Rose play thirty minutes a night. Because that 60 minutes from those two guard positions, Kyle Korver plays seven minutes tonight. Jarrett Smith plays 22 minutes tonight. Those are guys that were essential last season to spreading the floor, to putting those shooters around LeBron, to really unlocking his full potential as a playmaker and as a creator and giving him larger lanes and just giving him more space. And it's totally constricted. And even even Jay Crowder, who's a good shooter, he doesn't have the gravity of Kyle Korver. He, I, I don't think he has the gravity of J.R. Smith. He's just a he's a guy that hits threes, but I don't think he's a three point shooter that you fear. Uh, so really, the only three point shooter that you fear on the floor is Kevin Love, and he's playing center, so he's away from the rim. So there, there's no offensive rebounds opportunity. Like this is just a uh, man. It's a it's a poorly constructed house of cards, um, and any of them I feel like could come out at at any moment. So um, that Cavaliers team, I I don't think strikes much fear in the heart of of really anyone. And again, things could really change when Isaiah Thomas comes back, and all of a sudden he's getting thirty of those minutes as opposed to Derrick Rose. Um, maybe maybe that makes them look a little bit better, but. We, we talked about it last year as in the lead-up to the playoffs. The Celtics weren't a team that scared you because Isaiah Thomas was going to have to be uh, the guy that beat you. Isaiah Thomas was a guy you could take advantage on the uh, on the other end. And, yeah, th- this Cavaliers team doesn't look all that scary. And and now looking at that Celtics team, man, that's a, they're putting a lot of pressure, e- even even before the injury. I think the, the thing you could question most with the Celtics team was how deep are they? And are you really going to rely on young guys that much? And Jason Tatum plays 37 minutes tonight. Jalen Brown plays 40 minutes tonight. And again, that wouldn't have been as extreme if Gordon Hayward is out there, but both those guys probably, Tatum probably plays 30 tonight. And Jalen Brown probably plays 25 to 30 again tonight. That They're super young. And then when you look at their bench uh, and I know Morris is coming back, but Semi Ojale, rookie, Aaron Baines, Aaron Baines, Aaron uh, Baines. Shane Larkin, <laughs> Shane Larkin. Shane uh, Larkin. And then like Marcus Smart is a dog. Like the, yeah, like that's a guy that you're fine playing off the bench. Terry Rogier looked better than he has in the past, uh, I think, tonight, but still not a guy that I think you really fear. And you just look at this team and it went from a team last year where, man, you, you didn't want to play those dudes. <laughs> you, you didn't want to play that lineup that had Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart and Al Horford. The, that was a really strong defensive unit. And now I, I don't think you really fear them defensively. And, and that was the thing with that team last year. I, I jokingly referred to them as, I think, the Boston tryhards uh, because they had a bunch of dudes that were going to go out there and give max effort every night. They're probably going to be undersized, but they were going to try really hard. And Brad Stevens was going to coach them up. And when you look at that team now, 
I don't know that they fit that same mantra. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't see that in the in these guys. This is a very different Celtics team, um, and it's obviously going to be especially different now that Gordon Hayward is out for a while. But you're looking at a team that defensively, I, I don't think you're you're all that worried about it. I think you you feel fine trying to score against them. And offensively, obviously Kyrie is going to be a, a system onto himself and Jalen Brown shows flashes and Al Horford's a nice player, but man, I I don't know. They they are they're not all that uh they don't seem all that scary to me. Um, all right, on on a on a on a scale of one to five hotness of takes, one being uh you know, a, a mild, very mild salsa mm-hmm. and a five being like a what is it? A ghost pepper? Is that like the like the yeah, crazy spice? I think, so. I think so. What? It, let me let me throw something out of you. And I, not that I necessarily believe this, but I'm 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 working it through in my head, trying to figure out if it makes sense. The seventeen eighteen season might be a better chance for the Bucks to go to the East Finals. Well, I'll, I'll just stop at East Finals, <laughs> but okay. might be the Bucks' best chance to go to. The, might be a better chance of going to the East Finals than the eighteen nineteen season. I mean, we always talk about the Bucks being X years away. Yeah, but with everything happening, with even though LeBron is still in the East, and you can never underestimate that. Um, a part of me just feels like, man, Cleveland has not surrounded. LeBron with the great weapons, especially with Isaiah being out for a while. Yep. And now with Gordon Hayward gone and that Celtics team around Kyrie being very young slash not scary, really. Um, I don't know. I mean, if certainly if you were just looking at rosters, I think you can make a good argument. You know, you start with Giannis. The only guy that compares to Giannis, I think, in terms of just singular just two-way dominance is lebron you can argue john john wall might be in that discussion too um but in the east you start with Giannis. you're you're already right there with with you know everybody but but maybe lebron and then you go beyond that i mean the bucks pieces at least fit together well and unless you know outside of the obvious advantage that people would give the celtics for having brad stevens over jason kidd um I don't think the Celtics roster looks better than the Bucks right now with Gordon Hayward like, you know, quite likely done for the season and man, with the Cavs knowing how they've dogged regular seasons and at, at least last year Teron Lue could be unimaginative offensively and you could just spread around LeBron and it would still score yep. you a ton of points. This year, I think you're shooting in yourself in the foot defensively. You've somehow gotten a worse defense last year than last year when everybody always worried about their defense being just pathetically overmatched against the Warriors. And you've put talent around LeBron, but it just doesn't fit him well. So anyway, um, maybe we're getting carried away, but I I am my, my excitement level about around the opportunity the Bucks have in the East this year. I mean, granted only one big thing changed from yesterday to today, and that's the Hayward injury. But just sort of seeing it all in person, you know, LeBron playing his first yep. game, and it's and it's one game, right? It's one game, but we know what Jeff Green is, we know what Derrick Rose is, we know what Dwayne Wade is. You know, we're all these guys could have better seasons this year than previously, but we know they're not going to become forty percent three point shooters. We know they're not going to what, what you know what they're going to be like. And man, bring on Bucks basketball! Let's do this. <laughs> 
I will give your take. Um, I would say it's it's probably like a good jerk chicken. Um, <laughs> it's got some kick. It, it's got a little kick in there, but I, I think, man, it, you really do. I think that's the big thing is that I don't know if it's an overreaction from tonight, and, and maybe it is. It's the first basketball we're seeing, but the fact that we saw that Cavs team look like that in the regular season – I think means at least something. And again, they're going to get better. Everyone's going to get better. I understand that they're going to get Isaiah Thomas back, but at the same time, you look at the roster that's around LeBron. And I think maybe LeBron in his eighth year could have handled that. I think the, the first Cleveland version of LeBron could have handled it. I think the first, I think the Heat version of LeBron probably could have handled it. Like, and he did. Like, he dealt with Wade and how they didn't work together by just kind of being so overwhelming athletically that it didn't matter that those two didn't have a ton of faith in their shot in their first year in Miami. They they were just so overwhelming. And now you look at look at it, and don't get me wrong, LeBron's still the best player in the league, but he dominates in a very different way. He dominates in a way where he's he's still physically stronger than you, but the quickness probably isn't the same as it used to be. And he, he really likes having the floor spread and being able to move the chess pieces just so and then sneaking a pass in there for a three. Um, it's a team that, yeah, it, seeing it, it now for real in an actual game, like it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, so... Yeah, the Cavs aren't very scary. The Celtics, again, I went through that. They're not very scary. So this, I I would agree. This is a true opportunity for this Bucks team to make a deep run, which is, again, years, of, years ahead of whatever schedule was preconceived, um, years ahead of Giannis being at his peak of powers, years ahead of all these things. But, yeah, they, things might fall right. Um for the Bucks to have a chance this year and, and to really make an impact. And again, we've talked about this literally the entire preseason, the entire offseason. It's on the Bucks not to squander it. Like they have expectations. And if they don't live up to those expectations this year, there should be, there should be consequences. Someone has to pay for them not being good enough. And uh, they have a lot. This is this is a really true opportunity this year for this Bucks team. And we'll have to see what they can do with it. Yeah. And, you know, the thing we always look out for, uh, you know, we, I mean, we, it wasn't a joke last year. I mean, it was serious, but it, it almost became a joke was, you know, always worrying about teams that, that shoot a lot of threes. Um, so looking ahead to tomorrow, you know, the Pistons or sorry, the, um, the Celtics, you know, last year, Isaiah Thomas, such a threat, um, pulling up for threes, uh, off the dribble. You know, I, I mean, he just was constant danger, man, doing that. Um, tonight, not a great shooting night for the, Detroit, for the Boston Celtics, nope. five out of 22 from three, um, looking at their shot chart, uh, didn't take a single three from the left corner. Eight of uh, 32 from three for the Celtics. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I'm looking at the wrong stat, but, um, shot chart, I see. They were like 0 of 2 on corner threes, so for whatever reason, didn't seem to work the ball into the corners for threes. Well, I mean, uh, I think- I, this is a different team. Jalen Brown, uh, if there was one thing that you questioned for him as as a prospect last, as, as a rookie was, well, he's not a great three-point shooter. And he's worked on that some, but still, you worry about that. Tatum was taking long twos this 
t- or tonight instead of taking threes. And Kyrie Irving is still going to get his, but Al Horford, most of his threes are top of the key. Um, and then Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier. Okay, you can shoot them. That's fine. So, yeah, the, this is a team that has in the past been able to take advantage of the Bucks in that area, but I, I don't know if this Celtics team does it the same way. Yeah, and we know Kyrie Irving can get buckets on anybody, right? Um, you know, tonight uh, he airballs uh, a last-second sh- chance uh, with LeBron defending him. To I tie really the wanted game. that, Frank. I yeah, I thought that would have been fun. Um, I, well, I was hoping for an overtime game, and I was hoping the Celtics would win because I think psychologically, if the Celtics somehow win this game, even though tomorrow's their home opener, obviously you get up for that game. I, I just felt like the emotional roller coaster of. Yep losing Hayward and then coming back to win the game. I think that probably like would have been the, you know, ingredients for the biggest letdown going against the Bucks. I think whenever a team wins like a grueling game, I always feel like you have a better chance of getting them the net next night on a back to back. Um, so them losing, I'm, I'm, you know, again, uh, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but that just seems <laughs> like that's sort of how these things go. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, Kyrie, eight out of 17, 22 points tonight. Maybe it felt like he had more points than that than 22. Um, he had a couple threes in the fourth quarter, four out of nine overall. Tennis um, doing. Though. Yeah, 10 assists, and certainly, you know, you think about what the Bucks like to do. They like to try to take away that initial action from you. So we'll see if the Bucks' aggression uh, or how aggressive the Bucks are defending that kind of initial, those dribble handoffs they like to run, um, you know, those sorts of plays that we saw last year for Isaiah that we'll probably see more of for Kyrie tonight. We'll see if Kyrie, you know, looks to punish them with with passes, and uh, obviously that's where the Bucks often have fallen apart is when teams sort of say, okay, you can take that away, but we're going to move the ball and, and look for open shots. And certainly tonight, that didn't really work out for the Celtics. And um, certainly you're going to hope that tomorrow night it's a similar story in Boston. But um, certainly going to be a strange atmosphere with the Celtics. Yeah. You know, so much hype. And then, you know, literally five minutes into their first game, losing, um, you know, their big free agent signing and Gordon Hayward. And, you know, a team that was already relying heavily on uh, their young players. Now, uh, certainly very little time for for their guy, young guys to grow up. And granted, I thought they played better, especially yeah. Tatum. I think got a lot better as the game went on. Um, but Jason Tatum is is not a big guy, man. You know, he, what is he, 6'8", 205, something like that? Yeah, he's, probably. He's, he's not a big guy. Jalen Brown is, is strong and athletic, but he's not he's not big. You know, we saw... I mean, granted, LeBron trucks everybody, but <laughs> LeBron especially yeah. trucked Jalen Brown. So we'll be interested to see how they handle Giannis. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to uh, be really interesting because Hayward was a problem for Giannis last year. Like there were in those Jazz games, there would be times where I mean, obviously you're going to struggle more when Rudy Gobert is at the rim, um, just naturally, no matter who's covering you. But there was times where Hayward really really gave Giannis some fits last year. So um, giving one of those two rookies or, I mean, even giving Mar- Marcus Smart that assignment, that it, it should be one that Giannis can take advantage of, just either because of strength, because of youth, because of, of, of whatever. Um, he should have a matchup that is favorable for him tomorrow night, and it should be a game that – he can put up some numbers and hopefully uh, I'll lead the team to a win. But uh, there's going to be opportunities for him tomorrow night. Absolutely, and uh, we'll we will see. I, you know, I especially the last couple of years, I never expect the Bucks to go get a win in Boston. They have won some games there, uh, of course, late last season, Brogdon. winning Brogdon with the the 
signature game maybe of his rookie year uh, other yeah. than that either that or the, or the triple double against the bulls but um the obviously hitting a huge shot he's some huge shots making some huge plays in the fourth quarter against a very good boston team last year in boston um hopefully he can uh bounce back from a quiet preseason and do a little more of that and uh we will see how the Bucks look on their opening night. Hopefully, catch the the Celtics with a little bit of tired legs and just general weirdness coming off of a, you know an emotional night. So um, we'll kind of see how it goes. But I I will officially be disappointed if the Bucks do not pull out a win tomorrow. And um, again, you know, you get the Celtics twice here in the first couple weeks of the season. You're going to get the Cavs on Friday. These are you know tough games on paper. These are the teams that you're you know battling if you want to be. Uh, a top seed in the East. If you want to lay a claim to that one of those spots, you got to go through these teams and um, probably not a better time to be facing those teams than right now. God, this is going to sound like such a coach thing to say, but these are opportunities for this Bucks team. <laughs> like to, to go out here and get the Celtics without Hayward twice in the first week uh, to get the Cavs while they're still adjusting, still trying to figure out who they are. Like th- these are good times to get these teams, whether or not, your team is ready uh, at the start of the season if they're in a flow these are good times to get those two other teams because they are not going to be in a good flow so we'll see what they can do we will get together and talk again tomorrow night after uh, the bucks and celtics the bucks season opener we'll do that tomorrow night we'll throw it up right after so either you'll get it tonight i guess late wednesday night uh early thursday morning uh you should have our podcast all ready to go so we'll do this all again tomorrow for frank madden this is eric name and this has been locked on bucks